You know, everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket. It just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today. Now, Podcast One brings you Spike's Car Radio. A downloadable Cars and Coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. Welcome to Spike's Car Radio. Here I am, Spike Ferriston, here in Beverly Hills on a beautiful, beautiful, hot, actually a really hot day, Will, isn't it? It's horribly hot in this city, isn't it? It's been Our, in the 90s, 100s. 90s and 100s, yeah. and uh, frankly, I'm tired of it. I, I'm, uh, I'm sweaty, and I'm uncomfortable, but I'm here with uh, Mr. Jerry O'Connell. Hi, Jerry. Oh, man, what an honor. How are you? I'm doing well. Welcome to Spike's Car Radio. What is up? It's nice to have you here on Spike's Car Radio. You know, as I was pulling in a moment ago, I saw you uh, on your phone standing next to an old Jaguar, and it looked like you might be in trouble. Um, no, the Jag uh, the Jag is not running great. Is I, it your um, car? It is my car. Well, tell us what it is first. Uh, it's an 86 uh, Jag uh, XJ6. Wow, okay. Um bought it for a pretty good price. Uh-huh. Um had it all fixed up, had the this is very important, you were just talking about it, had the AC fixed in it. Had the AC fixed in it. Totally redone. Got a kick-ass, not even a stereo. Now there's a lot of wires in that car, right? I love the way this car looks. It's a beautiful thing. I know it frankly I noticed the car before I noticed you. <laughs> well, it's real it's it, it's really funny. Does it bother you that it's more beautiful, the car, than you are? Well, no, I understand that. <laughs> That's why I got it. The thing that's so gorgeous about it is that it's all analog, like the switches. Right, There's right, no right. main computer that they have to, you know, nowadays, like, everything is done through the computer, and this Let's is just, like, car up on the board here and switches, and um, it, it, it's, just, it, it, it's, it's just a great car. That said, a lot of the switching in those Jags, I've, I'm always having to get it replaced it's um uh, it's well, these tough are, these are british cars they're hard to get right and to get sorted and they're, they're leaking all the time does this one leak um, do you have a big car collection i, I have i have two jags now listen to me right. i had a terrible story <laughs> with this car all right i'm in we had a little bit of an oil leak okay that i got fixed uh-huh it was a hose problem i was driving down the 101 and the oil light came on <laughs> Now, as a car enthusiast, I'm going to go as far as to say, I mean, your boy, well, what's his name? Zuck- Zuckerman. Zuckerman. Yeah, Zuckerman. Zuckerman. Wow, you're here. doing Zuckerman impressions. Yeah, I think this is a pretty good impression, right? I mean, this is bad. His key, his key phrases are the money. Yeah. Get me the money. So listen, <laughs> I was driving down the 101. No, don't do it, Zuckerman. I was driving down the 101. Yes. And it's the, a, by the way, 101. Highway is the worst place in Los Angeles to break down. You panic if you're in trouble in the 101 because if you go, if you break down there and you get out, you're probably getting run over. Well, it's an older freeway, highway, yes. so there's no real shoulder. Correct. And it's like only a four-lane freeway as yeah. opposed to one of the newer freeways, 405 or 5, which is like a six- or eight-lane freeway. Yes, and it's an automotive mosh pit. To coin a 90s phrase. <laughs> it is complete chaos. It's like going to a Slipknot concert, um, except you're driving. Um, so the oil light came on, yeah. and I had about two miles to go back home. Uh-huh. What do you do if the oil light comes? What's the first thing as a car enthusiast you're supposed to do? Is If my car is still moving, I just keep going. 
Well, <laughs> I want to, especially on the 101. That hose I repaired came right, undone, right. and there was no oil Not, in the engine, and I drove for a couple of miles without oil oh, anywhere in my engine. Oh, oh, that's not good. And it makes a noise now. I mean, maybe you can help so me So wait, out you here, got so home. I, you got home. I got home. When did this happen? Nine months ago. Nine months ago. Okay, yes. and you've been driving the car ever since. You put no. oil in it. I brought it to a Jaguar <laughs> specialist who's great. Independent My Jaguar guy, specialist. Independent Jaguar specialist. I have a thing. I don't go to. I do, listen. Mm-hmm. I don't go to yes. the. I don't go to the dealer. I think they, in the words of Joe Pesci, they screw you at the dealership. Anybody can get the independent Jaguar <laughs> repairman sign. We can all get that wherever you want. Well, there are want. two Jag repair places here in Southern Los Angeles. Yes, the one um, on La Cienega there. Is that the one? Um, Harry, is it? I'm so sorry. Then there's three. Uh-huh. I live in the San Fernando Valley. There's okay. two in the San Fernando Valley. Okay. And I called up one, yeah. and the person who answered the phone went it went something like this. Ring, ring. Hello? Jaguar specialist. <laughs> and I went, hey, I was driving my car, and I drove it without oil for a couple, three miles. Right. Oh, well, um, I can't help you. And I went, you can't help me? I can't help you. I'm so sorry. I just can't. So I hung up on that person. <laughs> he didn't say why he can't help and you. And then I called up the next he d- person. He doesn't want to rebuild that engine. He just wanted nothing to do with it. I he want said, nothing no, to do with it. Beyond repair. How many miles? I love Three that. Three miles? Mm, no. I want nothing Boy, to do with that. Boy, that's a lot of hours he just gave away. So I took it to the next place, and they said, we're going to look at the uh, – now hold, Now bear with me here. Okay. All right. gonna. We're going we're gonna to replace the bearings. Okay. Does that make sense? Nope. Then I'm saying but it But it's a good story. I like then it. I'm, I th- like it. Then I'm saying it incorrectly. We're going to replace the... Pistons? Not pistons. <laughs> the whole something... engine. <laughs> you ran it without it was oil. You, it was something to do with the the pistons. Uh, I mean, something to do with the bearings. I'm mm-hmm. so embarrassed. But that's I'm okay. Worst, no, no. I'm your this worst This is not a, a hardcore car audience. We're a car and comedy audience. Uh, but no. we, under, we, we understand that, you know, and I relate to everything you're saying because you get it. You get into this car brand. You, you don't want to take a deep dive on Jaguar. You just want to drive this thing and have fun. I have cars like that, but like my Land Rover. I, I don't know much about it. And I kind of trust the guy to tell me, like, what do we got going on here? So it probably was the bearings. It was not. <laughs> And they what said, <laughs> so listen, after a few months, yeah. I said, listen, take your, I did the terrible thing where I said, take your time with it. Mm-hmm. There's no rush. Mm-hmm. This is not my, this is not my get my kids to school car. Um, This is my drive to Spike's podcast car. Yes. So I can be somewhat impressive coming in there. <laughs> you were. Sound like I'm I impressed know, already. <laughs> I love like, this. I, I know nothing what I'm talking about. Anyway, he said it's a bigger problem and it just it makes a sound that is just not it's not okay now. It doesn't purr like a kitty any longer. It, so it still works. He said there was a problem with something elbows now. Something elbows. Well, okay. I don't I don't think any of that matters. We're not <laughs> this isn't car talk. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fix your car no, for I you. know you but are. But here, I'll tell you this. You you drove here in it and it's working. Yeah. Right? AC is pumping. Now it's just uh now it's just a little bit of noise, but you know, these old Jaguars, they're tough. They're tough. They can be the money pit. You have to be very careful. So how much are you driving this thing? That's what you know, that's the main question here. And what kind of personality do you have? Are you can you put the radio on and not worry about the sound of that engine? Yeah. I'm okay with it. Then that. just go ahead, drive the damn thing until it falls apart and then fix it. Would Don't you worry be okay it. with the noise in the engine? 
How loud is the noise? It's something like this. <laughs> no, yeah, oh, that's a good... Boy, I've heard that sound before. That's really good. Boy, you've done Zuckerman and now an old broken Jaguar engine. That's excellent. This, this could be our best... Spike's car radio guest ever. I'm like the guy from Police Academy. I love this. Yeah, go ahead. Do some of him. What was it? What did he do? I had that he guy on like, my late night show. I forget. He, he, was he did like sound effects, like like always. He always did like automatic weapons and yes. stuff to like scare the bad guys away. He was very funny. Anyway, you're here promoting a TV show, right? I, I know a... you're. It's very nice of you to come on and talk about cars. I like that. And I'm sure we all appreciate. And by the way, relate to that story. And I've I've been in that situation over and over again with cars. Mine was a Maserati by Turbo that I bought in New York City. And and I didn't quite know anything about the brand or the car, but I just thought, boy, a Maserati, that'd be great. And it had a, a Cartier clock on the dash. Well, how classy. <laughs> that cost me 2500 bucks every week to fix and run. And I was a writer on Letterman in the city. That's right. That listener who didn't want me to mention Letterman on this podcast, oh, a writer right. on Letterman yeah, in the that's... city. And I was only driving it once a weekend. And still it would break down. I'd spend the week fixing it and then <laughs> drive it again. So I relate to this problem. My advice to you really is don't don't waste your how many how many miles are on this thing? It's a beautiful old driven car, right? Um, yeah, there's a lot of miles on it. Close to a hundred thousand. Yeah, just drive that thing when it stops running. You got AAA, right? Uh, listen, I've I've already gone over my max, buddy. <laughs> you get it? That's what I do with cars like that. I drive them, I play the music loud, and then when they stop running, I get them going again. And I, I did don't replace worry too much all, about I, you it. You know, I was actually pretty handy. I re, I replaced all the relays. A lot of relays in these Jags. Yeah, like yeah. I had to order, and it's kind of fun. You go online, mm-hmm. you look at what the relays are. You have to order them from Lucas Auto Parts, yeah. which is really exciting. Lucas. Mm. You're getting packages from the UK. Yeah. You're popping the hood. And the- it's, it's what's in the Lucas package that I usually have a problem with. But that's part of the charm of a British conveyance I, is this the, the quirky nature of their electronics and the quirky nature of their parts when they go in. We got this car um, probably a year ago. And when we first got it, before I drove it without oil and ruined it, really killed it, <laughs> um, the horn didn't work. And it's funny. I don't. I'm not really someone who lays on the horn a lot, but sometimes in LA you just need a like a. I'm, I'm a horn tapper. Like you know, if someone's gonna hit me or something, I'll just give them like a little. Eh, eh. You can't drive without a horn. I, I won't let you do that. Do you lay on the horn? No, I don't. And I, but I use it. I use it like I used to use it in New York City when it's effective. Okay. So that would have been four times on the way over you here use it from when the you're west about, side. Okay, so you use it when you're about to be hit, or do you use it for, hey, you're not getting in here? Uh, definitely when I'm about to be hit, but today it was, hey, the light is green, get your nose out of the iPhone. I give, I give someone a good, I would say, 10 seconds. <laughs> it's a long time to be behind someone. I try to be as polite as possible, but after that, I'm a New York City cab driver. Yeah. It's a long blow of a horn, like whoop, right? Like wake up. I can't beep at people who are obviously looking at their phones at green lights. Why? I, because I it, because I've been scared out of like um, dazes. I really try not to look <laughs> at my phone when I'm at a green light, but I've been scared right. out of those, and it yeah. really it really scares me. And I don't ever want to be the person who. Oh, that's very nice of you. That's very kind of you. So I'll sit there and patiently wait. Maybe I've beeped at you. (laughs) So you don't have road rage issues. 
Oh man, listen, I, I'm actually a little scared out there. I get scared of like I get scared of getting shot. So I keep well, it yes. real I keep it real polite when That's I'm That's nice. There. Well, look at you. I, Zuckerman it, it, and I talk about this all the time, how to because he and I can get a little aggressive out there. And and we're always trying to figure out ways to not do that. So because do, we want to be better human beings. Give us give me some advice. Um well, imagine everyone has a gun. <laughs> that's the first piece. Yeah, yes, that's I'm a good kidding. one. That doesn't work too much for me because I haven't been shot yet. Okay. I have been held up. Let's see. I've had a gun aimed at me. Well, every day, uh, it seems, in the last uh, year by my kids sure. with their little guns. But a real one, once, twice. Uh, twice that I can recall right now. But they never fired, so I don't. I still don't fear it all that much. Oh. <laughs> and one, and once was in a in a in a Cougar XR7 convertible right on uh, La Cienega by the Hollywood Bowl, and it was a sawed-off shotgun. Back in the old Seinfeld days, were you being um, robbed? I uh, know some fellas uh, pulled up next to me, a uh, car next to me. You know how you can uh, take a right turn and go up towards the Hollywood Bowl there sure. on Franklin. I sure. think it is. Sure. Or you can take a left and go home. And I lived on Franklin by Runyon Canyon there. It was uh, 11 o'clock at night, and some fellas rolled up on me. We were stopped at the red light. They uh, looked over at me, and I made the mistake of looking over at them, and they used uh, an expletive. They started uh, uh, questioning my sexuality, let's say, with sure. words that we can't uh, use. Sure. And I chuckled at that and said, that's me. You know, I'm uh, I'm gay as a French trombone or something, made sure. some sort of joke. And then the fella in the back seat uh, Took out a sawed-off shotgun and just kind of laid it on the windowsill and aimed it at me. Sure. Yeah. And I and I blew through that red light <laughs> in that Cougar XR7 pretty fast. And they followed. But uh, I was wow. able to outmaneuver them. Really? Yeah. This they they kind of like they the kind of connection. We got down to Hollywood uh, Boulevard and it all kind of it all kind of stopped. And was it just you in the car? Just me. Yeah. Wow. Just me. And the that time it was New York City. It was just you know somebody robbed me. Whatever. And that. Um, were you a writer for Letterman at the time? Seinfeld. Oh, yeah! <laughs> got me. You got me. Um, I was a Seinfeld writer, and I think with a bunch of your buddies. Don't you know, yeah, uh, know Bergen well. Schaefer sure. and the whole gang? That's sure. how I may have met you back in the day. Probably back in the day. I lived a couple blocks from all them. We all used to go to one bar on Sunset called Red Rock a lot. Yeah, that's right. That's we're right. Actually, uh, we're actually we're bar buddies. There you go. Well, we're gonna we gotta we gotta take a break. We're gonna come back with Jerry O'Connell. We're gonna talk about his new show, which is on WGN, America's new comedy network. The show is called Carter. We'll be right back. You know what? Everybody has a favorite pair of jeans, the pair that fits perfectly and always looks great. The pair you wear out at night, at home, on the couch, at work, wherever. The pair I'm wearing right now, the podcast. They're the go-to. Do not underestimate their importance. Pair of pants. No one knows this better than Wrangler, the authority on jeans. Using their expertise in comfort and durability and applying it to a new line of modern fits and styles, Wrangler jeans are made for the modern-day adventurers, the go-getters, folks who like to keep moving. Whether you ride a bike, a bronc, or a skateboard, or you're the type who walks the earth in search of something, these are the jeans for you. Classic or modern styles, a range of fits at a price that works for you, vintage re-releases. Wrangler has something for everyone, and don't forget the iconic patch in our stitched W American icons for over 70 years. Visit Wrangler.com and check out the great selection of jeans, shirts, pants, outerwear for men and women. I wear these pants. I love them. Wrangler, denim-made for the modern world. Also, ladies and gentlemen, while we're, we're talking, uh, this isn't really an ad, but uh, if you're going to be up in 
uh, Monterey for the Pebble Beach Concours. Um, I'm hosting a Pebble Beach Concours Classic. Boy, there's a lot of words in that, Will. Forum, uh, a special episode of Spike's Car Radio. We're taping it live up there on Saturday, August 25th at 1.30 with big-time TV star and former uh, NFL player Michael Strahan. And I know what you're thinking. You're going, boy, I didn't know Michael Strahan was a collector. Well, guess what he is? He's got a ton of cars. And here's the good news, Will. I've got five pair of tickets. Five pair of tickets. I don't, I'm not going to give you these tickets if you're not going to be up in Monterey August 24th and 25th. But if you are there, message me on Instagram at, at Spike Furston and the first five people asking for a pair of tickets to see me and Michael Strahan break it down for an hour. You'll go for free. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. All right, we're back with Jerry O'Connell. We're talking about road rage. He's, uh, he's a good driver. He's a good man. He's not out there doing doing damage in the world like I am and like Zuckerman for sure. Um, you came here to promote your show. I, I want to keep talking cars, but let's talk about the show first. The show is called uh, Carter. It premieres uh, yesterday. It premiered August 7th at uh, 10. Is that central? 10, 9 central. 10, 9 on, central. 10 on, eastern sign on WGN America's new comedy network. WGN America... Here's the. Are you ready, Spike? I'm going to pitch you because we all know you've written for Letterman. Well, That's you know, I know about. I've, I've done my research on the show. Okay, let's. Uh, it's go ahead and tell us the top line of the show before the pitch, and we're going to play a clip. We've never done this before. Really? Well, we've never played a clip, but I watched a couple of the clips, and they're really funny. I think uh, I'll show you the right one to play uh, after after the show. We'll cut it right into the show. But I think it'll work for the audience, and then. We'll be like we're on a late night show. We're 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 promoting your new show. So so tell us what the show is, and and this is the and and by the way the clip is the clip where you're waiting in the the police station. I know exactly what you're All talking right, about. Go ahead. I play Harley Carter, who is an actor <laughs> who plays a cop on a pretty dopey television show. Sort of think like. David Caruso in CSI Miami, you know, someone who like really takes himself seriously and, mm-hmm. and and catches a bunch of punks who are out there. I moved back to my small hometown and using all of my television actor knowledge, I think I can tell them how to fight crime. <laughs> now, there was a show much like this called The Grinder on Fox where an actor <clears throat> who played a lawyer on television helps his real <clears throat> helps his brother who's a lawyer in trials admittedly it's a lot like that here's where this show is different this is not a half hour comedy It is an hour-long procedural and it sort of it 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 adheres to all the hour-long procedural rules while making fun of them along the way i it's funny i predict every my character (laughs) predicts everything that's going to happen like when act breaks are happening before they happen, you know there was was there a show with Adam West back in the day? I know with uh, Conan O'Brien. I know they did a like a comedy sketch or something with Adam West, where he had been a crime fighter who was a detective who was who was going and doing stuff. This is a long time. This is probably like the mid eighties, right? Um, no, the only one I remember from those guys is the one with Andy Richter, where he played the detective. That was a really funny show. Oh yeah, yeah, it was a really funny show. Um, but this, I thought, had the right kind of balance of comedy and realness to it. Let's let's play this clip because I'm so excited about playing a clip. All right. 
uh, here, here's, uh, here's Jerry O'Connell and his new show, Carter. Have a listen. It's the victim's daughter. It's not like it is on TV, is it? Funny, I, I was just thinking it's exactly like it is in the show. I'm, I mean, I'm sitting here literally thinking she is good. She's got a real future ahead of her. Harley, her father is dead. I know. All right, we just came out of that clip, but there was no audience applause. Put some audience applause in there right here. Okay. Yeah, there it is. That's Carter, <laughs> Jerry O'Connell's new show, and some canned audience applause. I think, all right, I, I watched all the clips. I'm excited about this show. You made me laugh a bunch of times. It's hard. It's hard to make me laugh. Um, we uh, Obviously, that's a, that's a real, that's, that's it. I can die now. Um, and, and that clip I played made me laugh out loud. And I said, oh, look at that spike. I said this by myself in my office. Look at that spike. This show just made you laugh. Uh, <laughs> and Jerry just made you laugh. I'm, I'm shocked. I mean, th- that's it. We've uh, made it. No, our boss is a guy named Gary Campbell mm-hmm. who comes out of the kids in the hall world. Oh, yeah. Okay. And has worked for many years, staffed on shows here in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And he uh, wanted he, – he, you know, we call it a blue sc- – they call it. When I say they, I mean our bosses, the powers that be, call it a blue sky procedural, which I've been told – is what the world needs right now. A blue, like a, right. And procedural, like a, just so you can explain that, it, that means we're, we, get a, we get a crime that happens in the beginning of the episode, and order. then... Law and order. Monk. Right, okay. Murder, she wrote. Castle. Um, As opposed those, to a long season arc with one crime that we're, we're tracking for 10 episodes. As opposed to, yeah, I mean, like The Affair, which is about like four or five people right. and their relationships and where they go and one becomes a teacher. This is like there's a murder at the beginning and by the end of the episode it will be solved. <laughs> okay, so it's always a murder. It's always a murder. <laughs> and it's in a small town. There's a lot of murder in this small town. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, it's the same thing as Murder, She Wrote. There yeah, was a right. murder at the beginning of every episode. And then I Angel, I mean, Angela Lansbury was shrouded in mm-hmm. death. Um, <laughs> in this charming, quaint, small yeah. town she lived in. I mean, in. it's crazy. I mean. And we buy it every time because we want to buy it. We, we like that. Yeah. I don't, uh, I mean, it takes place in a, our show, Carter, mm-hmm. WGN America, Ten Tuesdays, nine Central. That's right. Um, you know, it takes place in this fictional small town of Bishop, and it, um, uh, you, you know, a murder happens every week. It's it seems like the. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like terrible. It's like it's <clears throat> like I mean, like the worst, like drug infested, mm-hmm. like town you can possibly think of. But your character. What I liked about it is tonally he wasn't so buffoony. He was he was buffoony enough to be funny, but then he actually had some real skills when he was solving crimes. Am I wrong about that? I, I do have to give a lot of credit to the studio and my bosses who did it. They would continually come up to me and say, listen, you have to be a leading man. You have to yeah. stop being such a buff." I think they used the term buffoon to my face really? a number of times. There yeah. you go. Well, look at that. Well, you know as a TV boss <clears> – <throat> Well, um, it would get boring if you were just a buffoon. That would be a sketch, right? As opposed to someone who's actually got a skill set here, who no one's taking seriously, and who is developing as a competent uh, detective. Because I wasn't able, I was only able to see what you showed me. How does he get? What's the piece of uh, story linkage that gets him to be uh, working crimes in this small town? Um, because he, an actor would never be able to do that. He, the- he goes through a public breakdown in Hollywood okay. um, where his wife leaves him for another actor, and it sort of opens with a TMZ-esque sort of meltdown. I saw that. That was funny. And um, 
that's what sort of brings him to the small town to sort of uh, to sort of just just um, just get his stuff all back together, just just collect his thoughts. And right. while he's there, he realizes he can serve a greater purpose, helping solve crime. In small town. <laughs> and they let him do that. The police department is cool with that. They do. Um, <laughs> I mean, just to really help you out, because I realize these are big steps I'm asking not only you, Spike, but all of your listeners to take. It's a comedy. We're going to go along for the ride with you. The mayor is um, very taken with me being in this small town. Oh, right, because right. Because I'm a huge international basic cable television star. Yes. And um, grants me the title of consulting detective. I like that. There. there you go. So if you have any like questions about the holes, don't worry. So, no, like, I, that makes sense up. to me. I'm uh, That's a buy. I'm going to buy that story turn. I like that. Um, I did buy a car when we were shooting on location up there as well. Another antique car. Which was? Um, it was a 1966 Delta 88 in wow. Oldsmobile. American, wow. very large automobile. Um, the show will hopefully go again another season. I need to put a new gas tank in it <laughs> because I can only fill it up halfway. Otherwise, the car spills gasoline. What What is in the tank? Um, <laughs> Have you looked to see if there's a body in there or there something? There is a hole somewhere above the halfway marker of the tank. So it was a little frustrating because I had to fill up every day and a half. Every day, day and a somewhere half. Somewhere up by the top, there's a hole. Where is that gas going? I don't know, but I do know um, the <laughs> person a, who's that's holding That's a little my, dangerous. The person who's holding this uh, 66 Delta 88, amazing car, though. They're beautiful. Really, yeah. So, I mean, it's like driving a living room. And I took a lot of the crew out, like, at night when we were done. Um, comfortably, you can fit 17 in there. Really? I'm exaggerating a little bit, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, comfortably you can fit about eight in a 66 Delta 88. I don't know if legally you can fit eight, right. but I did do it. Um, <laughs> and where, where is this car going to live? So you bought it from who? Um, we shoot this show in North Bay, Ontario. Gorgeous town, beautiful part of okay, the world. Okay, so to kill time, are you looking up car ads? and what, what, uh, How do you find this car? No, you know what? When I go up there to shoot, um, I had to rent a car, and right. I was renting just like a, like a regular car, and I was bored. And... Um, I found an older car. Um, How did you find it? We had a guy who was our car person, like, uh, getting Mm -hmm. us cars for the backgrounds of shots and everything. Yes, And he had a 75 Cadillac there. And it was a car that I had as a child. And I said to him, man, how much for this car? Who's selling it? It was, like, in terrible Mm -hmm. condition. And he went, you don't want this car. It barely starts (laughs) and it barely came here. And I said, oh, I would love to have it. It's sort of a nostalgia thing. I'm paying thousands of dollars to rent a car while I'm up here. Like, is it more than Mm -hmm. 2,000 bucks? Because that's how much I'm spending on uh, rental fees for these next few months. And he said, I'm going to find you a car. And he found me this this Delta 88. Yeah. And I said, let's do it. Now, I did have to get the interior um, uh, um, roof, um, the interior. The headliner? Yeah, I had to get the headliner redone because there were <laughs> in Canada. Well, yes, I had to get it redone at a place. Because, why? I found a boat upholstery guy <laughs> who did it because there was there was stuff falling out of it and this falling into my hair and mouth. Yeah, it dries up, right? And I, I believe this is the car, the car guy got for you. Yeah, I, I've had that same problem, by the way, in Zuckerman's BMW, his little uh, three M3 that he had me drive in. The, the headliner opened up, and all this foam started flying yeah, into my mouth. It's this horrible. This was foam, and also because this is the Northeast, there were flecks of rust and stuff. It's so, so, the, uh, so the boat guy. 
So I took it to an upholstery guy. I get the feeling he's making all this I, up. I, how could I? I mean, I wish I was this creative. I really do. But you're on a set. You're shooting for what? 14, 16 hours? Does the car guy go, I know a boat guy who, can, who fixes headliners? I Googled upholstery. Right. And near me. And you put near me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Go That's ahead. Exactly what I did. And a bolt upholstery person came up and I said, can you do my headline? And he said, yeah, of course. <laughs> right. And um, it sure, was great. Eh? No problem. But by the way, it's... Come bring it in. It's great. And not only that, like totally weatherproof as well, the headliner in there. And did he have the right material in his you know, shop? For yeah. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> Close I mean, enough. It's okay. I Look, like it's that. Not, flex are not falling in my mouth any oh, wow. longer. So that's something. Yeah. You Great have, car. You could have your own kind of used car dealership, Jerry's Drivers. You know, I like I, the, I like your attitude towards these cars. They're fun. You don't get too precious about them. You just kind of make them right so you're not bothered and you have a good time. You know what? I'm a real Craigslist car guy. Yeah. I put in $2,000 to $5,000, <laughs> 50 miles from uh, uh, um, 912. I like this. And you could then then sell these cars. You have a you have a completely different point of view and philosophy on cars. I've never heard this before. But you could start your own Jerry O'Connell car dealership and just say that this is what I do. I buy them. I put two to five thousand in. Sometimes boat workers work on them, right. and then you can have my car. Now I did purchase an Avanti um, a few years well, ago. That's really weird. David Arquette is the only other person right. in Hollywood I know who has Same person who I bought my Avanti from said <laughs> David Arquette's the only other person who has an Avanti. Wow. He, but he has that white Avanti. Yes. That's the convertible. Yeah. Um, mine was a black Avanti. And um, why now? Why would you be attracted to that? You're, you've got the you're this leading man actor guy, but your car taste is so uh, quirky. There's well, an intelligence to it and an, an irony to it as well. Um, and then there's this kind of American thing happening. You know what it is? I'm 44. Right. So I want cars that, like, uh, like exemplified wealth when I was younger. Uh-huh. And that would be a Jaguar. Mm-hmm. Listen, I always look up Porsches. And I just they're just too expensive. They're right. Just out of my for what I. You're what, tall though. You you might where now wait when you say youth. You grew up in New York, yeah. I grew up in New York City. I grew okay. Up in Manhattan. So these were the cars you saw in New York City back in the seventies. Just Jaguars were. I watched Equalizer. Right, no, I get it. Like um, y- y- you know, it's just that's. That's what you saw. That's what you wanted. That was the cool car in the city. Do you remember any specific car you saw, like on Fifth Avenue, when you went, wow? Where it just it grabbed you for a second? Um, I would say Jaguars really represented mm-hmm. wealth and success to me. You mm-hmm. know, um, probably not the route I'm going. Where a two thousand dollar Jaguar purchased on <laughs> Craigslist from someone who's like, it's it's back there somewhere. You can check <laughs> under the there's a tarp, I think. Just that's go and uh, take wealth a look and, at it. Wealth and success for the independent Jaguar repairman is what that is. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that is. Um, I get that. It's funny. It's funny what you kind of get hooked on. It really is those home hometown cars. For me, that was all the old American muscle cars because that's what, you know, all the cool kids have. Hold on. Time to pay the bills. Think of all the weird things found in cars. I'm not talking about your garden variety, petrified French fries or melted crayons. I'm talking about live snakes, bizarre trinkets, the kind of stuff that just makes you wonder about folks. Another thing you're going to wonder about, but in a good way, are continental belts. 
Bet you didn't know there are OE and tens of millions of Chryslers and Dodge, Ford, and GM vehicles that roll off the assembly line. There are also OE on the majority of BMWs and BWs. Now, Continental is launching the aftermarket multi-V belt with the OE pedigree. It's their OE technology series, belts that are fanatically engineered for perfect fit form and function. And Continental has OE technology series multi-V belts for 98% of the vehicles on the road in the U.S. and Canada. Hey, you get enough surprises working on cars and trucks, a belt should not be one of them. Go to Continental OE Technology Series Multi V Belt, the belt with the OE pedigree. To get the full story, visit OE Technology Series.com. Um, <clears throat> I was stalking your Instagram here as I'm wont to do. I don't think I can get on it now. Shoot. Let me see if I can try to pull this up because I found, I found some really interesting car pictures on there. Oh, yeah. Uh, you with a surfboard. And oh yeah, okay. That's oh, a Chrysler gonna... Sebring. That yeah. What you is saw. that? And what is that shot? Okay. And you said you have a love for Chryslers. Okay. What? My. <laughs> well, now it's all making sense. You've really got it out of me. My parents have a thirty-year-old Chrysler Sebring, uh, where they live in Long Island, um, in sort of a beach community, Montauk, mm-hmm. Long Island, and they have a Sebring convertible that I love to drive and. A buddy of mine saw me um, going to the beach in it and was like, man, there's Jerry with his Sebring again. There you are. There's the picture. You can find, you can see it on his Instagram, Mr. Oh, Jerry O.C. I want to apologize. I realized you were the number two automotive podcast <laughs> last week, and you're definitely going down quadruple digits. That was our highest. That was our highest rating. I know. But this is great. But no one talking about Sebrings is going to put you number that, one on any automotive you know, podcast. Can I tell list. you something? <laughs> What are what what the listeners love are is a passion for automobiles, even a passion for the Sebring and a surfboard. That's it. It doesn't matter what it is. You can love your Prius and come on here and talk about it. it you can love cars and not even own a car, and everybody's fine with it. We're we we're a shared love for this thing podcast. We're not that you know. Hey, describe the Wankel engine. How does it work? Right. What you don't know? <laughs> that was my I'm first. Not, I'm not interested. In that. What's that? Will? That was my first childhood. That was my car. My first car. Sixteen years old. My what dad's red convertible Chrysler Sebring. Yeah, here it is, Will. And, yeah. and and you want to get a look at this because here he comes. So you're coming out of Montauk. A lot of sharks out in Montauk, aren't you? You're surfing out there. Yeah, but I mean, not uh, where people surf. I think it's pretty shallow there. I think you got to go out a little farther. But I did watch Shark Week the entire week before on Discovery Channel, and that so was wait, really... did your dad? Did your dad have this car his whole life, and your mom, or no? You know, my parents. You know, I, I'm realizing now that I, my love for sort of used. I don't want to call them jalopies, but like uh, just cars that need a little work comes from my parents keeping Mm -hmm. a car like this for 30 years. You know, I mean, I just it's it's not I I, I, there's no airs about us having cars. You know, we 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 like them because we have a real connection with those cars. And I have to say that Sebring is um, is really special to me. So I think. I, I like that. What is what now? What's this so here? Now, that's an older Here's car that picture. I had when I first moved to Los Angeles. It's um, you and Jamie Kennedy. That's me and Jamie Kennedy. That is a '73 Buick Centurion convertible. <laughs> that was the first car I purchased. Uh-huh. Um, I purchased it in the '90s, and I got it for I think three thousand dollars, and it had probably seventy thousand miles on it. It had a 455 in there. It was a big old engine. 
I found I broke down right before I got onto the 405 highway once <laughs> at sunset in the 405. There's a shell station there. Yes. And the mechanic who was in there made that thing. Hum. Wait, sunset in the 405 or PCH sunset in the 405? Sunset in the 405. There's there's a shell station. Actually, let me take that back. No, no, it's Church in Ovado. Uh, Barrington. Bar- That's where the shell station is in sunset near the 405. And church, there's no shell station there. Then it's Ovado. Am I making yeah. any sense here? It's the it's the entrance I know where to the four hundred five. I rolled my car into there one day because it was not going to make it up that <laughs> hill on the four hundred five, and I had to take a cab to what this is pre Uber, uh-huh. so I had to take a cab to whatever my appointment was. And when I came back three days later, and he told me it was okay, uh, the car, I mean, was amazing. And he said you should keep bringing this car here, wow. and um, it was uh, it was a really fun car. You're going to really get mad at me. I was dating. <laughs> I haven't been mad at you once. You're going to really get mad at me about this, and your listeners are going to freak out. And this is going to, I mean, how you're going to be the, how you're going to be top two automotive <laughs> podcasts again after this is just crazy. But I dated a girl mm-hmm. who did not like the convertible. Okay. Well, and, that's very common with women because they don't like their hair blown around. And I tried to sell it, mm-hmm. and I couldn't. So I called up one eight seven seven cars for kids K A R S cars for kids and donated it and donate your car today and I donated <laughs> I donated it and I got to tell you <clears throat> to this day I mean we immediately broke up after that and to this day I, I'm I, I wake up in the middle of the night in flop sweats. Well, that's nice that you did that. There, you know, I've done that too. It's a great way to get rid of a car and get a little money for it that's not going to sell. Uh, have you called up 1877 cars for kids? My my 74 911 that I took in a Seinfeld the first year that had 300,000 miles and a lot of broken suspension pieces, I donated to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Oh, cool. And, uh, you know, I, I gave it what I thought was a fair value, knowing I'd get half of that back in Texas. And, you know, it was a nice transaction. It seemed to work out. I'm not sure... Uh, if anybody got hurt driving that car and make a wish, but I felt good about it. The whole thing was great. I I I, I, I have no problem with that. I, the problem the, the problem I have is is you didn't get rid of the girlfriend when she said it the first time. That's the problem I have. Like when when like I get that I deal with that every day with my wife with with any sort of car that's loud or the tops down. I know at this point I can't enjoy it, and I get it. She doesn't want her hair messed up. When I said it, I see your yeah, who did you bring here? Your publicist out there, super publicist. Right she she chuckled when she said, "Yep, yep." She does, you know they don't want their hair messed up, but you don't get rid of a car. I mean, you'd have to say, "Well, I kept the girl." I, I you know what and I, I got rid done, of the car. Looking back, I should have stored it somewhere. I didn't. It's fine. You can buy these things over and over again, right? Well, what about your wife now? You're married to Rebecca Romaine. Rebecca Romaine is she? Uh, is she? Stamos is, the Stamos is gone. I think. Oh, they, it really? They, yeah. They when they got divorced, <laughs> they she took that off. She did. She um, didn't keep it. I actually, I actually <laughs> took the Stamos. I put Stamos at the end of my name. Rebecca Romaine Stamos <laughs> O'Connell is what I thought she took. No, no, no. It's. I'm pretty sure it's just Rebecca Romaine now. Um, that's what it is now. Occasionally, some, it's really okay. Sometimes at an airport, occasionally, <laughs> someone will go, Rebecca Romaine, Stamos, and it'll drive my wife insane. What? Do people always think you're Jason Bateman? 
Does that happen a lot? It happens continually. It <laughs> happened actually coming here. A lot of I'm your staff at your, here at Pod, uh, Podcast One someone uh, said, said that? welcome Mr. Bateman. No. Yeah. They, they said, welcome Mr. Bateman. This is so exciting. <laughs> and then I said, I'm not. I'm Jerry O'Connell. And they went, oh. Did Jerry O'Connell Stamos? <laughs> Yes, that's me. Now you have you have uh, you have twin daughters. You yeah. got Rebecca. Sure. Uh, do they like cars in any way, yeah. or are they? Uh, you know, uh, my wife's lease on her X5 is about to run up, uh, run out. Uh huh. The first diesel car I've ever owned or oh, been wow. a part of. Real? I was. Really is she going to let you? Is she going to let you pick the car? How does that work now? No, that's my wife's car. My wife picks that. I drive. Uh, um, my. Home car are those two Jags. I split in between them. They right. You, one is usually in the shop and one isn't. And I sort of like. Really, that's what you're dailying. That's what I'm dailying. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. It's yeah, actually, that is crazy. I got to tell you, it's a pretty. And you know, as someone who drives older cars, it's a pretty. I got to tell you, driving here was a little risky. It's warm out there. Yeah. And it's when, hot today. When I turned that car off, that um, fan was going. <laughs> I mean, well, it works. And I was hanging God. out there for a couple minutes, and mm-hmm. it was still going. You know, it was th- that car needs to cool down. It, what it about runs hot. what about the kids? Do you throw the kids in the back of that car? Yeah. Or you have or you take the X five. Um, uh, if we have a road trip, we'll take the X five. But by the way, I got to tell you, I'm into <laughs> cars run on diesel, man. That was that's it's, a whole new world for us. Why? Tell me why. They are a little dirty. They do pollute a little bit. Do they? Yeah. I thought they polluted less. <clears throat> no. I'm so sorry. <laughs> they don't. I'm so embarrassed. I, I thought I was Europe helping the environment. Them out. No, they're cool. We like them because they have a lot of they, they have a lot of torque, and they like the older Mercedes diesels are cool. Right. I, I'm not against them in any way. I think they're totally fine and they're valid and they're a little peppier than other cars. But you know they've got a bad rep because of the whole Volkswagen diesel scandal and the uh, right. the Germans. The Germans and their <laughs> software and gassing the world. Right. You know, there was a little thing with that. No, uh, yeah, no. You we know. all re- remember, sure, when it was being tested, it ran a lot cooler than yes. when it wasn't being tested. Yes. And it was able to identify when it was being tested, right? That's right. Exactly. Yeah, that's pretty That's pretty shady. Yeah. We yeah. call that shady. No, people have, I believe people have gone to jail for it in Germany. Uh, you know, they arrested these guys who were responsible for it. So. Um, it's uh, it's shady. Um, but um, I was sort of into it. Also, diesels, I mean, I didn't realize. I thought it was environmentally better. I'm so ashamed. Uh, I thought it was, um, I, I, I find the gas to be cheaper. Sometimes. Yeah, it can be. It can be. It depends what the Koch brothers are running, what kind of game they're running any week here in California with the refineries. And Oh, there's another fire, and we got to do our summer blend. That's why gas is $7 a gallon. Yeah, it what? is pretty crazy. I just dropped my kids off. I picked my kids up from camp in Idaho, and I couldn't believe how cheap the gas was. I mean, it's I was right like, up there. I was like filling my car up just to put <clears throat> drops it really in it is. just to yeah. see the... Like I a mean, can of soda up there. Where were they? Coeur d'Alene, somewhere up there. Yeah, that's right up where there. We, we summer up there. We love it up there. Gorgeous, man. I've yeah. never been. I've never been in that state. I yeah, was really blown away. Yep. There was a. <laughs> there was something a little hippieish about where my kids went, though. Yeah. Um, it was pretty hippy dippy. It's it's. Uh, it was a lot. It's of, our favorite time of the year. We do love it up there. In and Idaho. the camp that they went to was real, like <clears throat> um, you know. Granola-y, earthy. What did they do up there? It was like a wilderness camp. It was like a 
some little tree hugging. Did they shoot guns? Did they canoe? Did they fish? No, Did they? It's so crazy. They hunt each other in the <laughs> camp, and whoever is living at the end wins. My kid was in Maine, and he. Uh, I didn't know they had guns at the camp, <laughs> and that, oh, really? so he got certified or something. Oh, cool. and he came home. He's like, "Hey, Dad, I got certified to to shoot rifles." I'm like, "What?" That's you know, and I'm cool with it. Cool. I grew up with guns in uh, Massachusetts, so I get what he was saying. But uh, it was a surprise to my wife. But thankfully for me, she was the one who uh, set the whole thing up. But he was also certified in canoeing and made a lot of great friends and played baseball every day. And you know, we had two wonderful weeks. You know, having only one kid, and next year. You know, Man. maybe my my wife and I went through the same thing. I mean, we what were. What did you guys do? We were at home alone. My wife just turned to me and said, <laughs> "Why are we still doing this? <laughs> why Why are we doing? What's the point? We've nothing. Why are we here? They, it's really a great racket. The camps a great racket because they have the kid right home every day, and you know they don't want to. So it, whatever little insecurity you have about your kid being away, you get this letter every day that goes, "I'm fine. I'm happy." Right. And then you start sleeping in every – and then you really adjust. And right, right when you're really happy <laughs> and you've caught up on all your sleep, you go, all right, go pick them up. Right. And then back to the horrible reality. Yeah, I weirdly – um, I'm, I miss my kids when they were gone. Yeah. No, I know. It's, uh, it's funny. I, I never thought I'd say that. Trust me, I never thought I'd say that. But, uh... but you miss them, but you're happy they're gone because – don't you don't you you can you can sense them developing and becoming more independent while they're there, right? Do, did your daughters when my son came home he goes, I wanted to stay there for a year. He said um, I just wanted to stay there for a long time cuz I cuz he he said I tasted freedom. Wow. He said I tasted freedom. Really He's funny. 10. And I'm like that's awesome, man. I I totally get it. But he was, you know, we of course we missed each other and we we had big hugs and stuff. Sure. But I but he's a different kid now. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and that's that's what I liked about it. My so, kids came back with a little swagger. A little just, swagger. Yeah, they just have a little swagger. They're just a little, a little bit cooler. Oh, that's awesome. So we punished them. Yeah. Got that out of them immediately. Well, what else do we need to cover here, man? The show is, uh, is Carter. Carter, it's, WGN America. It's, um, it's really fun. It's, like a, it's a really fun procedural. You know what's funny is for many years I did a procedural mm -hmm. on NBC called Crossing Jordan mm -hmm. where I played a detective in a morgue. And – I had a lot of fun doing it. I made a great living, but it was a real standard murder, five suspects, usually a scene where I'm interrogating them and I have to lean over a table and say, hey, man, what did you do with the body? <laughs> and then there's usually a chase scene, and then it ends up being the person you didn't think it was at the end. Mm -hmm. And then usually it would end with the whole like cast in a bar and then a song in a jukebox and there would be a wide shot and that would be it. And... After six seasons of that show, it did wow. 120 episodes. That's a mm -hmm. lot. That's a ton. It's so funny. Around season five, season four, you're like, I can't believe I'm still doing this. And you don't want to complain because you're making money. And yeah. you're in a position that every other actor in the world would kill you to get there. So you can't complain. There's no one you can complain to. No. Even when you go to a shrink and you say, I'm feeling really... Uh, <laughs> I'm just feeling trapped in this role. They go, you're on a TV show. Shut, shut up. Like, I don't want to hear this. You, like, you paying me? Like, you want me to tell you? Like, you want me to give you my professional advice? Shut up and go to work. You're making money. So there's no one Those to... Those are the jackpot shows. There's, there, there's no one to complain to. That said, when I first read this script, it makes fun of being trapped in that world while doing a show that is all about that world. Mm-hmm. 
and it really made me laugh. And it, to me, it's the. I, I think a lot of people watch these shows, me being one of them, and I think this is like the best of all worlds. Yeah. No, it's great. It's funny when you talk about that. I know a couple of guys who were in that situation. Dennis Franz, who, by the way, is my friend who I visit up in Idaho an, and love, and he did uh, NYPD, NYPD Blue. Blue for 10 years. was awesome. And he told me about what that week looks like. And uh, and my neighbor's Mark Harmon, and he's he's, he's another been doing guy it for twenty years, right? And these guys are, you know, they're in those dream jobs, but it is a slog. They work hard. I mean, every episode, I you know, I would find myself leaning over a computer and then looking at my co-star and going, "It's a match," and then running out of the room. I mean, that happened. Psych. That happens every episode. Oh no, no, no! I would always look at the computer screen. Like someone off camera would go ding, and then we'd look at each other mm-hmm. and go, "We have a match," and then boom, <laughs> run right Did out of the room. Did you ever say, "Can you load that into a computer? And just put it in that spot, so I don't have to shoot it anymore." Um, just, yeah. just load, just cut in the. It's a match. Just put a different color of my shirt on. But you can't. But you can't complain. No one wants to hear you complain about that. You know. No. And, and I'm not complaining. Well, about why it. does it take so long to light these scenes? That's that's my biggest complaint. Did they have you moving along? Like what did you tell tell everybody what your week looked like? Were you doing that 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 kind of thing where they kind of had it down Monday well, to Saturday? Let me just tell you how it works economically is everyone gets raises every year, right? So toward the end, <clears throat> come season six, these shows become financially sort of um, cumbersome. What's the word? Bloated. I mean, right, I don't want to say right. bloated, but like they become not doable. Well, the network starts to resent them because they're costing so much money and the license fees go up. Well, it's not resent and... them. It's like, why don't we just start this all over again? Right. <laughs> I mean, like, why are we dealing with this? And also, like, everyone's getting a little chippy and everyone's mm-hmm. saying, you know, I don't want to do publicity for it. I already did it. And, you know, just people are becoming chippy, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, the economics of it aren't really working out. So what they do is they sort of they, – they do it on the cheap because everyone's getting paid more. So – I mean, I don't want to get too writery. I know that one commenter gets super upset if you mention the <laughs> L word. Um, <laughs> you know who we're talking about. Um, 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 you know, but typically in a, like a new show, you have a three-page scene every right. scene. So it's like a three a, a minute a page. So you have a three-minute scene, and then mm-hmm. boom, it's flashy. Or mm-hmm. maybe even you have like a one-page scene. It's a one-minute scene, and you're going and you're chasing. You're having action sequences. When these shows become a, a, a little older, you end up having like ten-page scenes, and it becomes a little slower. Why? I don't understand. Because it's cheaper to just shoot ten pages in one setup. I see. And then you get one fifth of the script done in one scene. Can you memorize 10 pages of dialogue like that? You're a very bright guy, I can I tell, can. with a, yeah. a bit of a steel trap memory, if I'm not mistaken. I can. You're, <laughs> you're supposed to be able to. I mean, that's And what... you're good at that. So that doesn't what, – what's your process? Take me through it. Because I, I can't do any of that stuff. Memorize. I've, I've... Uh, get a script. You get a script. You get a brand new script. What do you do? Do you get the highlighter out? I take out everyone's pages that I don't have a line in. Okay. And I only have my lines. And then I carry that script around the entire time. And I'm continually in a state of memorization. If I go to the gym, if I'm sitting in traffic, if I'm at the dentist's office, I'm just always going through it. And um, I start with the longer speeches first and then whittle my way down to the um, to the shorter speeches. And um, I say every word that you writers write. Wow. That's impressive. And I'll tell you, I'm you a little different. I'm an actor who says every word that writers write just because I bounce back and forth between plays and TV. And 
in theater, homie, don't play that. You're right, saying right. what's written a lot of the times because it's older works, and you know if you're doing a, um, you know if if you're doing a pinter play, you're not saying hey, you know. <laughs> I wouldn't hey, say man, it like I, that. I'm not sure I'd say it like this. <laughs> Can we talk about this? Uh-huh. I, I don't know if I. And I'll tell you, that's another annoying thing about working on TV is that you know a lot of actors come to set and go. Um, all right, let's talk about how I would say this, and it's crazy because these scripts have been written weeks, months ago. You know what I'm saying? Right, it's, right. And how do you deal with like just being away from the family? I mean, do they come visit you on set? Um, do they come stay with you when you're away? Or? Um, you know, my wife is also an actress. Um, Miss Stamos. And... <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can't even make the joke. <laughs> I can't even make it. Um, I'll be in so much trouble. Um, uh, and so we sort of get it. We're we're really supportive of each other. But you understand what I'm saying. Like, if I ever go away and shoot, it's maybe a week or two at the most. But I, it would be hard for me to not have them around day to day just to listen. You know, um, hang out. We have do a business homework. where you run hot and cold. Right. And when it's hot, you got to hit it. And yeah. Because it's going to be cold mm-hmm. real soon. You yep. know. I mean. Here I am. I'm invited to your podcast here because I have a show coming out on WGN America. No, Tuesday this is the cold nights. part for me. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it's like you know, it's you never know when it correct right gets right. cold. So right, you so you it. just jam it. You know, you're exactly right. Yeah. And you just that's what I tell my kids too. It's zero miles an hour or a hundred. I'm right. sorry. <laughs> I'll see you in a week or so. Well, this has been fun, man. Wait, yeah, I, man. I have one other thing I wanted to ask you about. Sure. You, what is this Bravo stuff I'm seeing about with you and Andy Cohen? What, so I have what a, is uh, this show? I have a show that we're just going to test. It's just a test. Okay. Um, it's going to be basically a weekly highlight show okay. for everything Bravo. So it's think of it as Sports Center for the Bravo-verse. Got it. And it's going to be me and two others and just sort of like with telestrators, breaking down scenes, looking at things that have aired already. And it's going to be really fun. Wow. We've, we've, we've sort of – we've like tested it a little bit and there's there's something there there's something there in like taking um you know shows on bravo which is extremely successful and just like they just kill it with all the right they're making a lot of money but they have a solid slate of television you know Mm -hmm. it's not just the housewives anymore it's you know, a show called Below Deck Mediterranean. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're not like that well versed in it, but I know I watch a lot of the stuff with my wife when we want to kind of just turn our brains off and laugh. Are you familiar and... with Below Deck Mediterranean? Yeah, I know what it is. It's it's the Downton Abbey. <laughs> I'm impressed of, of today. Yes, I and... mean it's the people who serve the rich people who have chartered a boat, yes. and they are all hooking up with each other, uh, uh, you know, downstairs, and then they have to go upstairs and serve all the rich people. I mean, it is Downton Abbey. And then what are the rich people doing? Um, they the don't mind there's are, a TV show going on? The rich people don't mind that there's a television show. I found that they typically have a company that they're promoting. A lot uh-huh. of them wear hats with oh, logos on okay. it. Okay, yeah. And they, I think in a lot of ways, well, I, I do know... <laughs> But they fuel a lot of the drama that goes on. A lot right. of them fight with the staff, I and mean, it's riveting, you know. Wow. So I, wait, so how do you get involved in a show like this? You know, I am a I am a frequent guest on Andy Cohen's um, talk show, Watch right. What Happens Live, mm-hmm. and he's just over the years put me with some of the all stars. Are you familiar with any of the cast of Vanderpump Rules, which is based on? I've dined with them. Uh, have you really? <laughs> Lisa Vanderpump, yes. You've dined with her? Yeah, yeah, at a restaurant. 
Back I, when we were watching that show, my wife and I thought it would be fun to take another couple out to her restaurant in yeah. Beverly Hills there, and, and we pulled up Villa, next to her. Villa Blanca. Villa Blanca. And she recognized me, and I recognized her, and she said, sit down. And we we sat with her and her husband and a little dog. Uh, Ken. Jiggy. Jiggy, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Well, I mean, were you- it was you... fun. Of course it was. We sat, well, I shouldn't say with it. We sat right next to them, but we chatted the whole night and, and uh, you know, we had a, a, a bigger experience than we were expecting. They were lovely people. Of we course. had a lot of fun. No, they're they're highly successful. They yeah. have, like, they have all new restaurants, Pump <laughs> yes. and Sir now. And yeah. the whole cast of these shows work there. Mm-hmm. So you can go there right now and go eat there. And they're there. And you see them. I mean, yeah. it's like, it's better than Universal Studios. It's, it's, it is definitely during the week campy dinner fun. For, for couples that are watching these shows. Of course. I fully endorse it. So this show is basically, I mean, like, you know, there's a character on there. Are you familiar with Jax on that yeah, show? Yeah, yeah. I see him on TMZ when I'm checking who got arrested for drunk driving on he Monday has, mornings. I, I don't believe he has been, <laughs> but he is. Oh, I made her laugh. There you go. Yeah, he's he, right. He is. He's one of the richest characters right now next to, of course, Carter on WGN America. He is. <laughs> One of the richest characters on television right now. The richest. You mean wealthiest? No, I mean rich in character, rich, rich in, in yeah. like depth in what's going on with his life, in his relationships, in what's like. So when you're you're breaking this down on this new show, this comedy show with the Telestrator, what do you do? Do you freeze frame and circle and go? Okay, By the way, I don't think it's a comedy show. I think we take it. I think it's like. I mean, it's like the Meet the Press of Bravo. I don't think it's comical. <laughs> I like it. It's not an after show exactly. Nope. This is a. It's we're a hi- gonna we're gonna break this show. down. It's a highlight. I mean, show. this is. I'm the like Chuck- the George uh, Michael Sports Machine. The George Michael Sports Machine. <laughs> How's that for a '90s reference? That's an amazing reference. I am good. the George Michael, not singer. The sportscaster, uh, let's go to the tape. Remember, he'd always hit the, the button like it was going to and a they, tape. He made them build the goddamn machine. Right. <laughs> let's be, build me a sports machine. He didn't really need to do that part. Remember you hit the button? Yeah, yeah. So good. I remember it. That's um, a show we just had to watch because we were still up on Sunday nights and there was nothing else on. Well, also, it was great because those blooper. remember those bloopers he would do mm-hmm. and had the music? Oh, it was so great. I'll be honest, I started watching because I thought it was George Michael, the singer, and I was like, what is this guy doing with a sure. sports highlight show? Sure. Yeah. And then I got hooked. Sure, sure, sure. That's a true story. <laughs> <laughs> I understand the confusion. They have the same name. I totally get it. But one was a British a British Greek singer, and yeah. one was- mm-hmm. um, One was American, Wham. One was in Wham, and one was not. <laughs> I'm not sure who the other guy was. Yeah. Um, uh, you know what? I'll tell you what he was. He was, I believe, and uh, don't quote me on this, he was the local sports reporter for Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. So um, it was an affiliate show. Uh, I think it started as an affiliate show, but then it became a national show. I think that's how um, I think that's how sportscasters went national back then. You have to understand also this was before ESPN was around, so there was no way to get uh, a national sport. It was the first national sports show. You're exactly as, right. Am I? Yeah. Wow. Started in the early '80s in Washington. Wow. There he is, and then uh, hooked up with the affiliates at NBC, and there it was. You are not wrong. I have a steel trap for him. <laughs> <laughs> no, you could be. You'd be a good lawyer. I I'm, may I'm have... sort of upset Zuckerman's not here. He might even hire you. Yeah. Well, you know, I know you don't want me doing my Zuckerman <laughs> imitation. I saw That's that. Too, push. You got too much mobster in there. You I got... saw that spy car. I saw. I showed you pictures <laughs> of this car months ago. No, that's not intelligent enough for him. 
But or, or, that's a, he's a he's a smart bully like that, like a guy you meet in a dark alley. He's like, come here for a second. <laughs> he's that. Is that you really like a, him? There's a there's a predator. You're missing a predator. <laughs> Try it as like a predator. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. Maybe this is a little better. Is that better? Than this yeah, that's right. Let me tell you about this new 944 that they got. They don't put in the turbo on the end, but it ain't that much of a turbo. I told them, I know what you're doing. You're trying to hit a higher-end sort of capacity. That's right. Ain't going to work. Let me tell you what I did to the guy in traffic, Spike. <laughs> I put my hands around his neck, and then I woke up and realized, I better not do this or I'm going to jail. <laughs> That's Zuckerman. Well, you got to come back. I have to have you back and uh, and hang out with me and Zuckerman. We can talk cars, and it's been a real pleasure. Yeah, Jerry. it really has been. It's been uh, it's been a long time, and very uh, long time. And I love your show, and I'm so Thank sorry you. to everyone listening about the Letterman <laughs> references. I want to. I personally, you can send me the hate tweets about that one. I brought up Letterman <clears throat> and the Stamos. That was <laughs> that was a hundred percent spike. I'm so sorry about that, honey. And I want to apologize for um, you know driving my car with that oil and all those things that you're going to blast. Me. What makes you cool? Don't apologize for that. I love it. I love the just the the rolling up on you and then hearing the story. It's the greatest. Well, uh, that that's Jerry O'Connell. You've been listening to, and his new show is Carter on WGN, and it is Spike endorsed. It's ten Eastern, nine Central. We catch up with you on all sorts of social media. Uh, where do you like to play the most? Uh, you know, I love that Instagram these days, Mr. Jerry O.C. And, um... You'll see the car pics when you go there. Oh, and yeah. Some, uh, and some pictures of you and the family. It's, it's a nice little feed. And you can catch up with me on Instagram, at Spike Barriston. Uh, we'll see you next week on Spike's Car Radio. Real quick before we go, if you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for. But what does it actually mean? The same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing True Price from True Car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories before you even get to the dealership. True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of home. And how do you know if your true price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for, for the same car you want and your certified dealers know this, so they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Thanks for listening to Spikes Car Radio. Download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. Shut it down! Hi, I'm John Taffer. You probably know me because I've rescued thousands of bars, hundreds of them on TV. That's your future. Broken! I'm also a best-selling author, and I've owned and operated a bunch of other businesses. But now, I'm here on Podcast One with my new show, No Excuses. I only yell at assholes. Every Tuesday, I'm going to give it to you straight. I'm giving you all things bar rescue, insider peaks of what's going on on the set, current events and topics you care about, with in-your-face analysis, and you know how straight I can be. And I'm going to have unforgettable guest interviews with the world's most interesting people, and I'm going to ask them the questions that nobody else has ever asked them. And yes, sometimes I can be a bit of an ass, but I'm going to shut it down every Tuesday and make no excuses. It's going to be the number one show here on Podcast One. Listen to it every Tuesday on Podcast 
podcastone.com, on the Podcast One app, and on Apple Podcasts. And remember, rate and review it, or I'm going to shut you down.